is the day that we set aside to honor fathers. Cards are made. There's extra hugs given. There might be a special meal or dessert. Chores are done so dad can have a rest. It's a day of reflection, too, for some who are remembering their dad who's no longer with them. And for some, it's a difficult day because they have to continue to exercise forgiveness for the neglect of a father. So there's many reasons and many facets when we come into the house of God, and we want to be relevant for every generation. As I was preparing... I recall the many verses in the Bible that put their focus on fathers and parenting. And as you'll see this morning, a lot of this is really parenting that I'm talking about today, but with the responsibility on the father. Many principles and keys for daily living, and it's truly overwhelming. Truly overwhelming if you sit and cross-reference and read every scripture and everything that God commands us to do or encourages us to, to do or tells us to do. Lord, how can this be? How can I accomplish all of this with the demands of life and, and the pressures of the culture? How? How can I do all this? I know that your word is true, but man, balancing it all is a constant battle. For a father desiring godliness, the task can be very daunting. So, the title of my message today is The Blessing of Imperfect Fathers. The Blessing of Imperfect Fathers. And I'm going to add another word that's very important, and that is the blessing of imperfect godly fathers. Okay, godly fathers, people desiring to be, to be godly. Herein lies the beauty of serving Jesus. He doesn't ask for perfection from us, and, and nor should we, nor should we. In fact, the imperfect godly father has a tremendous influence to everyone around him, and this is what we're going to discover today. To understand the blessing of the imperfect father, I want to spend just a little bit of time to talk about the characteristics of an earthly father who comes at it from the angle of being perfect. You can't reason with them. Their word is law. They rarely admit they're wrong. They're more proud of the accomplishments that they've made than proud of their family. They throw scripture around out of context to support their latest pet peeve. The life of a perfect father is characterized by an unbridled tongue, sinful anger, and mood swings. He wants his, families to, he wants his family to be displayed as perfect, and therefore everyone must act a certain way when they're out in public. And his relationships may appear fine, to the onlooker, but there is, the family is under strain. Now, there's very extremes to all of this, but, and this is not an exhaustive list, but I guess you get the point, right? But this, let's talk about what an imperfect father is like. I'd like to shed some light and hopefully provide some principles for the various seasons of a father's life 
and their responsibilities. And it's so powerful to learn that the father's purpose is never done. You don't get to retire from being a father, at least not in God's eyes. And you don't have to be perfect to fulfill your destiny. The, the beauty of it is, is the influence comes right along with the fact that you might stumble and make, make a mistake. If we handle it with godly principles, it just all comes out in the wash. As God's children, we want to grow through the seasons of life. All of us do, not just fathers. We want to adapt. We want to change. We want to learn. We want to be an influence for Christ from the time we're young until we leave this earth. And we all have a mission. It's based in the word of God. It's based in the word of God, but it's so unique uh, according to our personalities and our lifestyle and our home life. It's, it, it, it's, it's the expression of God's love through each one of us. But imperfect fathers recognize there's only one perfect father. That's not rocket science, right? There's only one perfect father. And he is the center of their life. The center of their life. Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Exodus 22. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Luke 4, 8. You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So the imperfect father, he seeks a deep and personal relationship with the Lord because he knows that without him, he can do nothing. They desire an encounter with him, an undeniable touch. There's no greater blessing than to have a father who's been in the presence of the Lord. There's no greater joy than that. You can feel the blessing of it. They come away from the presence of the Lord, filled with new hope, new perspective, and the wisdom they need to care for their family. Burdens are lifted because they've cast them down at his feet. The Bible tells me in Psalm 1611 that you'll show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's joy in the presence of the Lord, and that's for all of us. If you're lacking it, that's where it's found. Imperfect fathers not only love God, but they love their neighbor, and they love their brother. They love their neighbor, they love their brother. Why is this so important? Why does this matter? Well, why does it matter? <laughs> I lost my place. See? I'm rusty. I'm rusty. Okay, okay. Jesus said to them, Matthew 22, 35 to 40, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. And thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also would love one another. All, by all this, you will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I have to say that there's a whole lot of increase in hatred and lawlessness in the land today. How important is, us, is it as 
for us as God's children that we are reflecting the love of God in our lives and, and showing our children how important it is to love and to, and to care for your neighbor and your community and the world and to love your brother in the house of God. And so um, we want to teach our kids to do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? It's our assignment, people. It's our assignment, right? We don't want to be, we don't want to be caught up in what's going on in the world. We want to be different. We want to be different. Imperfect fathers keep connected and stay accountable. They know that isolation has pitfalls. If the enemy can isolate him, he has a greater chance of getting him off his mission. He understands that temptation will come, but he resists and flees from temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 2 Timothy 2, 22. I call it a vessel of honor for God. A, go a godly father makes the house of God and serving the Lord a priority. That's why you're here today, showing your children that the house of God has importance to you. He knows that the word of God is the source of all truth. And he strives for, for maturity and he asks for wisdom. And then he prays, prays, prays. And then he prays, prays, prays some more. It is the key, folks. It's the, the key. An intimate relationship with Jesus the word of God is the source of how we live our lives. And then we must pray. I am convinced <laughs> that our, my husband has prayed our family through more things than you can imagine, and a word didn't have to be spoken. It happened. You could sense in the spirit something wasn't right, and you got on your knees and you prayed it through. And, and then the Lord may reveal it, or it may never come up again. But you watched, and you saw God's hand move, and you could tell that he did something. And pastor is a quiet man. I know you probably don't think that when you see him in here, but he's a quiet man. I was more, okay, children, this is how it goes. This is how we're going to do it, and we're going we're gonna to follow God's word, and I'm going to teach you. And, and the Bible says I'm supposed to teach you, and so I was more that type, the instruction person. And um, in his quiet way, he was able to say more probably than in what I was doing with all my fussing. <laughs> and maybe I helped some. We'll see. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You need wisdom, it's just, it's just for your asking. It's just a moment away. Proverbs 4, 11 and 12, I'll guide you in the way of wisdom. I'll lead you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Psalms 32, 7 and 8, Oh God, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. He's there, folks. He's there for our every need. James 4, 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So this is the, this is the core base of the imperfect father's 
personal life. But now, what about his family life? So we've, you know, we have to remember that what brings you the title and the honor that you're celebrating today is what? Children. Children. It's because you have children that you're able to celebrate Father's Day. And so I think one of you just read that, Psalm 127, 3 through 5, children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. So what does an imperfect father think? What do they, what do they desire? What, what is it at the core of their heart for their family? Here's some thoughts, not exhaustive. Number one, the godly father loves his wife. Loves his wife. No matter what type of man you are, quiet, talkative, reserved, playful, romantic. It's important to know and to share it with your wife and to show your children so that they see the value that you place on your marriage. It's so important. However you do it, we have to remember that we chose you because of what you're like, right? So maybe you don't need the playful side or maybe you like the quiet side. Whatever, that per, whatever it is that drew the two of you together, make sure that you show it. Show it in front of your children. Express it the way you can so that they know that marriage is fun, can be a little tense maybe, but it's fun, and that there is joy in it, right? Yeah. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, you can look at this on your own if you want guidance on what it means to have a spirit-led relationship and, what it, and, and how it talks about husbands and wives. And you know, we've heard this our whole life. Uh, at least I have. <laughs> Love your wife. Love your husband. It's preached at, at most weddings today. But let's look at things truthfully. There are times when life is hard. And people just don't act like they should. It just happens. There's needs not getting met. Division can come between us in many subtle ways. Life's demands get in the way, or we act out of character. There can be sickness that happens, or a loss of a job. There's countless things that can rob us of the abundant life that we were meant to have. Countless things. So this is what I say. Move swiftly to reconnect and to resolve those conflicts. Sometimes we have to agree to disagree for a time until we're able to have time to sort it out. But the children need to be protected from these interchanges. Um, don't devalue each other in front of your children. Don't do that. It, it, it causes so much harm. And we mustn't expect perfection. Just as fathers can't be perfect, fathers, neither can wives be perfect. Neither can children be perfect. Uh, neither can in-laws be perfect. <laughs> My, 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 you have to, you'll have to tell her. Neither can grandparents be perfect. Neither can church family be perfect. Neither can co-workers be perfect. Neither can neighbors, aunts, or uncles, or friends. No one can be perfect. And at some point, we will all disappoint someone. 
we'll all do it. And so we just need to be okay with it, I guess, and be quick to say we're sorry and, and, and move on if we can, right? Love your wife with emotion. I, you know, it's really great to be up here because you get to say whatever you want and people have to listen to you and nod their head. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm being a little too much like myself. <laughs> okay, this is for us women. We get to say this. Love your wife with emotion. No, it, it, it's true, folks, really, seriously. Love your wife with emotion, with sincerity, with acts of kindness and demonstration of strength in the midst of the battle. Now, that's huge. To show strength in the midst of the battle rather than and let her handle it, stand strong in the midst of the battle. And have forgiveness when she disappoints you. And let the children see that you're trying, even if sometimes you have to just shrug your shoulders and say, Dad is messing up big time today. <laughs> you know? I mean, just try to keep it light. Try to keep it light. And I have to say this. There are times when things are beyond our control. There are times that we need assistance. The problem is bigger than we can tackle on our own. And I'm saying, obviously, with God and everything, we're doing all of that, but it's something that we need to do more to help. There are times when one or the other in a relationship is not trying, or they've stopped trying, or they just don't know what to do next. We, we can't talk about relationships and not recognize the humanity we're all faced with. The beauty of life is that, that Jesus understands our complexities, and he wants so much to help us. And we don't have to go it alone. We, we, we can get help, and, and, we can, and we can, as long as we want help and we desire change, it, it can happen. Seek a godly mentor or a spiritual counselor. It doesn't mean failure because you need help. The imperfect father understands when it's time to get help, right? All right, not only does he love his wife, but guess what? He loves his children. For, for all of us that have children, godly parenting has to be intentional. Has to be intentional. It doesn't just happen. I, I, I can't tell you, be strong enough to say, in the culture that you're raising your children in, you have no choice but to stay diligent. Morning, noon, and night, you have to stay diligent. What your home is filled with, needs to be the majority of godly things. But you cannot shove it down their throats. It's, it's not going to work. You have to start when they're small, and no matter what season of life you're in, there's always a, a new day, so don't get me wrong. But I mean, those of you that have children that are small, you start right away, right away. Everything is about, about the Lord and the goodness of the Lord and the things of the Lord. And, 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 and when they're playing the sports, it's about the Lord. And when they're practicing a recital piece, it's about the Lord. I always find some way to, to give honor to God, some way to say, you know, oh, that's just such a, a, a good thing. God has really blessed you with that gift. God has really, and, and encourage, use God's word to encourage. It is our role 
and it, you'll only get out of it what you put into it. So if you want a next generation serving Jesus, then guess what? You have to model that, and you have to live it every day, and, and you have to pick yourself up when you fall, and you have to just keep pressing on so that the children will want what you have. And it isn't by being grumpy and, and pressuresome about God. It's about the beauty of Jesus that you give them. Teach, train, and model. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 and I've read this a couple times, these things I command to you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. I took this very seriously when my children were small, and they will tell you that, because I used every opportunity. When we watched a show, it was always something that had a, had a, a storyline or a good uh, 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 Focus on kindness or goodness or whatever the case may be. When I was preparing for this message, I heard an old song, because I happen to like old songs. And so this really speaks to me. <laughs> You're going to laugh, I think, but I, it's so, I mean, the words are just, I can't say it better. All right. Tell it to your children and your children's children. Stamp it on the doors of their heart. Make it the theme of the song that you sing. Sing it to them right from the start. Tell them in the morning. Tell them in the night. Make it your life, your joy, your delight. Tell it to your children and your children's children that Jesus must be Lord of their life. Fill up their minds with the things of the Lord, and from them they'll never depart. Tell it in your laughter. Tell it in your talk. Tell it when you're working. Tell it when you walk. Keep it before their eyes. Make it the pattern for all that they do. It's the answer for all of their lives. Whisper it when they're near. Shout it from afar. Make it what you live. Make it what you are. Tell it to your children and your children's children that Jesus must be Lord of their lives. Amen? Isn't that good? It's good. Teach, train, model righteousness and godly principles they must be the forefront of daily living and like i said don't shove it down their throats teaching little children is effortless that's why it's so important to tell them while they're young oh my goodness i can tell that little sunday school class just about everything and i've told them some really funny things that miss jan has done that's what they call me you know, some str crazy things that I've done in my life. And, and, and they look at me and they laugh. And, you know, I want them to know that, you know, I was trying to be good, but I wasn't always good. Showing your children from the beginning how Jesus, how much Jesus means to us is the key. It should be about joy and happiness, hope and heaven. Jesus watching over and caring for us. As they grow older, they have an enemy. But greater is he that is in us than he that that's in the world. So when they come to you and their disappointments grow and they face rejection by a friend or they're picked on by a bully or they don't understand math, all these little things can be turned into times where they learn to trust God and that they find out that he's always faithful. Does he always say yes? He doesn't always say yes. 
And as they grow older, they learn to understand that sometimes God answers, the answer is no, and how they learn to handle that. Teach them to be, that they're called to lead and not to follow. That's a huge thing. You know, a lot of these things I'm saying so quickly, but if you have a thing that you're dealing with, even with a teenage child or so, you know, as the ages come, just search it out and, and re you can't imagine. Yes, you can because you're the generation that's always on your phones. There is stuff out there. Truly, you really got to watch that because you can find something that will let you believe anything. You can believe, you can, yeah, you could start your own. You could start your own philosophy, and people will come. I'm telling you, it's true. <laughs> Give them boundaries early in life. It's for their protection, and it brings them security. It keeps them safe. While they're learning discernment and wisdom, they don't know it, so you have to do it. And then you have to lessen the boundaries as they grow in their responsibility. And that's where reward comes in. You know, it's not just discipline. It's also reward. We were firm believers in that. We blessed our children. We rewarded them for their kindness and goodness. I still tell them today, you know, I, 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 I told you all these things, we told you all these things, but you had to listen. You had to determine that you were going to obey. You had to decide that Jesus was the one you were going to follow. Tell them it all the time. Well, not all the time. I used to tell them more. But so, you know, encourage your children that their obedience is, is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's praiseworthy. <laughs> How about the gift of time, life, and work balance? Right? This is a typical father today. I'm, I am going to shorten it because it's getting late, but yeah. Okay, a typical father today. I work 40-plus hours a week. I have travel time. I need time for my wife. I need time to pray. I need time to read God's word. I need time to serve my local church. I need some time for myself to rest, you know. I need time to do things around the house. I need time to get the oil changed on the car and weed the garden and mow the lawn. I need time, oh, with my family, with our children. Take time now to resolve that life is just plain busy. And if you say that you're busy, I guarantee you, there'll be somebody that comes along behind you and gives you 10 more reasons why they're busier than you are. We're busy. We're busy, right? Balancing life is a daily dance. It's a daily dance. And priorities have to be established, and some things have to be let go. Let's just remember that the ones that account for eternity are the ones that don't go. The ones that count for eternity are the ones you keep in place. And the rest will fall into line. You might have a little long grass. Your oil might have gone a little bit longer before it got changed just so it doesn't burn up the motor. We're good. I know that much about that, but not, nothing else. <laughs> I guarantee you that with only gas money, right, no expense other than taking a day trip, trip to a special spot and going hiking with your family will do more for your R&R, rest and relaxation, than you can even imagine. And on that beautiful little day trip, there's crying in the car and fighting between the children because they took their thing and whatever and they're in their space 
and Johnny skinned his knee and Sally got stung by a bee. Mom and Dad are panting by the time they get up to the top of the hill because they're carrying the picnic basket, the water bottles, and the toddler whose legs are too tired to walk any longer. One of the best days ever, right? One of the best days ever. But on the trip, you talk about the beauty of life and the goodness of God, and the kids start to share with you their daily little issues that are huge to them, by the way, even if they're nothing to us. They're huge to them. And then there's time to respond and pray together. Memories that you won't soon forget and memories they won't forget. Spending time with our children means more than taking them to Disneyland, although that would be awesome, or throwing them a birthday party, which is actually also very important. It just involves ordinary moments, ordinary moments in the day, working together, serving together, and yes, playing together. Every child needs dedicated time with us. However, we don't want to get caught up in the notion that it has to be this certain, um, you know, Put it in a little neat box, because life just is not like that. You know, making work fun is an art, and I think moms are better at that than dads, but dads can do it too. Helping with the dishes, picking up the yard, cleaning your room. Dads are more involved today in household responsibilities, especially when both children or parents are working outside the home. Teaching your family responsibilities, family responsibility, teaching them and rewarding them for hard work, those are positive things. I think it's important that we realize that we need to do what fits our family. And everybody's family is unique. Our calling is different. And the word of God is the same. Um, but how our family flows, it's dynamic, it's, it's unique in how it functions. The imperfect father watches and prays. This is an old teaching, but it's still re re relevant. Do you remember the story about the, the, the umbrella of protection? Do you remember that? They talk about that. Teach you to stay underneath the umbrella of protection. Underneath that umbrella is the mom and dad, and, and, and then they are, they're under God's protection. And if you stay underneath that umbrella, that's where your, your safety will come from, and you will be protected. Well, I like to say that I think that's what fathers are. They're the umbrella of protection. They watch and pray. They, they, they watch for spiritual pulse in their home. You know, it's our responsibility as parents, obviously, but the father, he can sense the spiritual pulse. pulse. Are there any negative influence showing up here? Something's not quite right here, Right? The children's friends, knowing their friends, who they're spending time with. Umbrella of protection from the storms of life, being watchful while at the same time you're not protecting them from every little thing and they, they never get a skin knee because you're being so overprotective, but also from worldly influences. Today's culture, society, is reinventing everything, everything. Because, you see, we didn't have it figured out, but now they do. They have it figured out. It seems that it's going that way as it relates to God, too. Um, there's got to be a new way to get to God. Well, any God will do. 
or, or, or no God is fine too, I guess. It shouldn't involve too much sacrifice. We should still be able to have pleasures and just a form of godliness, right? Right? No. I, I, you know, even what everybody was sharing today in, in, the, in the heartbeat of God for our children, our next generation. We, we have to step up. We have to step up our pace. We have to, we have to realign our priorities. We, we, we have to, to understand that our children can only rise as far as what we've, what, what we've done, what we've, what we've modeled. I mean, obviously, as a child grows in their spiritual life, and we've got to talk about that a little bit before we're done, is that, yes, obviously, as children, if, we didn't, if our father didn't love us, we can still learn and grow and change our patterns and change our habits and become all God's, God's called us to be. But we cannot be conformed to this society of thinking. We have to get ourselves back into what, what I'm just going to say it. I'm here to declare by the Spirit of God that he's raising up a generation of young people who desire dedication, wholehearted devotion, Holiness, oh, oh, have you, have you heard that word in a long time? Holiness and consecration. His church is moving on. His church is moving on. And these next generation young people are going to be the front lines, the front lines that lead us into the next generation, the front lines for Jesus. They're going to be powerful. They're going to be powerful. The church of Jesus Christ is alive they're going to be powerful. And we're, us senior saints, are going to be there cheering them on. Oh, yeah, they may not say it the way we did, and they may not sing it the way we did, but we'll tap our foot to that wild music, and we'll do what, we'll, whatever, right? As long as it's based in the word of God, and it's bringing p- children and the next generation forward in, what did I say? Wholehearted devotion, holiness, consecration. That's what we want. That's what we need in these last days. I know every generation has said, it's the last days. Jesus is coming. One of these days, old people like me are going to say it for the last time. Jesus is coming soon, and he will come, right? One day, it's going to be the last time that someone says that. As fathers, we need to stand for the truth and declare it over over our family, just like I declared this over our family today. This is what this generation is going to be. Your heritage, that's what you have. I want to end with this. By the way, there is a scripture that talks about not provoking your children to wrath, to anger. And I'm going to tell you, if this is something you struggle with, you, ne- you need to study it. I don't have time today, but we need to discipline with compassion and mercy. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Psalms 103, 13, As a father has compassion on his children, 
so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Discipline seems pleasant at the, unpleasant at the time. It's painful, but later on it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. That's Hebrews 12, 11. But so why is it that it's so hard for us to understand that discipline is a good thing? It's very difficult today. There's been so much pressure because there used to be harsh discipline in years gone by, and it was inappropriate, and it was too harsh. And so sometimes the pendulum swings. If you're in the child-rearing years and you want to know about discipline, you take these scriptures and you cross-reference it. Pull it up on your phone. What does it mean to do what's godly discipline? What's godly discipline? You will have more than your heart can handle. But what I would recommend is you go back to the word, read the scripture above it and below it, and, 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 and make sure that it lines up with the word of God. Because so, sometimes there's a little, some crazy things out there, some crazy things. But discipline is good, and we discipline those we love. But the other thing I wanted to say is if you have a problem with anger, you need to, to search what it means to not provoke your children to anger. You will be shocked at the different things. I call it closing your child's spirit. If you do things that close their spirit, they can't receive from you, and they don't, they, 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 they'll do what you say because you were so harsh, and they just don't want to fight you, but in their heart, they can't reconcile it. And so I would encourage you to search it out and find out what God says about how sinful anger can provoke your children and how scolding them harshly and publicly and finding fault with them and comparing them. There's many things that, if left unchanged, can close your child's spirit. Setting a double standard or changing standards all the time. Uh, dis disagreements between husband and wife on how to discipline. All those things cause dissension in your home. But I want to talk for just a couple minutes about the seasons of fatherhood. When your child is young, the father is the hero. But can I encourage you to know that as you plant the seeds in the lives of your children while they're young, you're establishing the beauty of communication and love and closeness. Um, you're, you're establishing things so that when the days come, and the child's out of your care more. They get their license, and they're, they've got a job, and they're out from underneath your immediate touch on their life all the time. That they understand and know how to discern life for themselves. That they're able to follow the godly principles. That's why it's so important that they understand the reason these rules are here is for your protection and safety, and God it honors us when we obey him. And you're constantly fortifying that. Then the child gets, uh, gets out of school and goes to college. They're away from you even further. And in those seasons, you know, everything you've taught them comes to fruition as they mature. Your hand isn't on them all the time anymore, but you're interceding continually, con interceding continually because they find out that you have feet of clay. 
And they have more questions and they know more than you do. That's just what happens. Kids always go through that. I don't care. They grow up and they say, well, Dad, they don't do that way anymore or whatever. I mean, they just have it all figured out. And so during those times, your hands are off them more. You don't get to speak as much, but you continue to live in consistency. And I want to end with grandfathers. This is my favorite part. Oh, I saw this scripture and I was so excited. Children's children are the crown of old men. Sorry, that's kind of harsh. But children's children are the crown of old men. And the glory of children is their father. There is dignity and grace that accompanies a godly man into his old age. And one of the joys is that of seeing his children, grandchildren, where he has the ability to instruct in godly living. And it's a true joy. Now, a godly man who fulfills his roles and responsibilities as designed, he becomes the praise and glory of his children and grandchildren. What an honor. And I will say that the role of a, a grandparents is not as direct, obviously. You cannot overstep what's taking place in the home, right? That's the covering that's over your children. But you take every opportunity to fortify the things that are, are going on in the lives and, and, and the things that are, that are happening so that um, the respect and the honor that comes back and the children listen to you. Our stories may not be so relevant in the days ahead, but our love for them will definitely be evident, right? Should I end there instead of... I just, I just feel like I need to say that... Not everybody has had a godly role mother, model as for a father. For some, they lost their father early on in life, or their father was absent. For others, their father made choices in life that left his family without a, the father they needed. Still of others have suffered at the hands of a harsh father. But no matter what the story, the redemption is still the same. He says he'd be a father to the fatherless, and he himself will make up the difference. And so there are mentor fathers, by the way, people who are called. They may not even have a child of their own, but they've been called to love another's child just as though it was their own. And they come alongside, and I've seen God do this over and over and over in my life. It's like you're never alone. He will send someone, an older brother, an uncle, a friend, who will come in and be what your child needs, right? What if, What? but what if, Okay, father may have failed. Yes, Carrie, do you guys want to come? Sorry. What if, what if we fail? What if we fail? Right? Sometimes our mistakes are big. And they affect our relationships. And, and we're left hurt and wounded. And, and it's, it's just not as easy as saying, oops, sorry, dad made a mistake. It's not, it's not as easy as that, or mom made a mistake for that fact. There could be a, re a failure that is a result of sin. And while God forgives us just like that immediately, the people in our lives may, may, not, may not be able to let go that quickly. They may need time. They may need encouragement. They may need outside help to make this happen. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that sometimes it, it doesn't go as planned. Sometimes we fail.
And so I would just say, repent before God and repent before the people that you've wounded. Make yourself accountable to a spiritual mentor. Seek godly counseling if, if progress is not being made. Set up boundaries that are mutually agreed upon between the affected parties and keep the lines of the communication open. Sincerely and earnestly express your heart often and don't isolate. Isolation when you, when you have failed is the first thing a person wants to do. I, I can't handle this, right? But to the people that you've hurt or you've offended, they need you to verbalize so they know what's going on. Is he doing it again? Why is he being so quiet? Why is she being so quiet? What are we, and all those un, unspoken things cause so much problems. So just be very open. And the change of your heart is a work of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever forget it. He can take it and he can smooth it over. He can take that shattered piece and make it afresh and anew if we'll just allow him to. The other thing I have to say is this. What if despite your best efforts, what, what if after all you've done, a child gets caught in a snare and they can't seem to get free? They, 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 everything you've hoped and planned for them, they, they can't, they can't get out. They're caught in a snare in the lie of the enemy. All I can say is don't give up because as long as there is breath, there is hope. Don't give up. Intercede, intercede, intercede. Speak the word. If you can't speak it over the life of your child, speak it out in your house. Move. It's more than words. Intercession is a depth. It's groanings that cannot be uttered. It's, it's, it's praying in the spirit and asking the Lord to do mighty works. And then waiting for your opportunity to be able to speak to be able to give a sure word but all the while you're living the life of the godly imperfect father imperfect and yet forgiven and yet and yet has said i'm sorry a hundred times how can i make it better how can i help you son how can i help you daughter to be able to 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 move past this how can i help you bring along somebody beside you Bring somebody beside you that you know will stand in the gap for your child just like you do. Just bring them alongside. You don't have to give them details. We don't need a story. Many times we already know. Many times the Holy Spirit has already brought the, your child to the mind of, of someone who, who loves them too. And they're already praying and they're already seeking God. But sometimes you just need to tell someone. You just need to tell someone. Bring them along and remember this. God never, 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 never stops working. Never stops working. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. In Jesus' name.